theyeshiva.net. This is Torah Eir, Parshas told us, Daf Chof, column one, Chof Amud Aleph, or page 39. You'll see the middle of the page, it begins by Yachberu, Avde Yitzchak Banachal. You see? Vayachperu Avde Yitzchak Banachal. Parshas told us we have the story that Yitzchak, Yitzchak servants were very occupied, obviously on behalf of Yitzchak, to dig wells. Torah says that all the wells that the servants of his father dug in the days of Avraham, the Philistines, the Plishtim, plugged, and they filled them up with earth. And Yitzchak went and he redug all of the wells that were plugged by the Philistines. They were stopped and filled up with earth. After the death of Avraham Avinu, Yitzchak redug all those wells, and he gave them the same names that his father gave them. After that, the Torah says, Vayichbiru avde Yitzchak banachal. This is Parshas told us, Bereshus Perik Chavav Pasuk Yutes, Genesis 26, verse 19, that the servants of Yitzchak dug in the Nachal, in the valley, Vayimtsu Shom Be'er Mayim Chayim, and they discovered there a well of living water, a spring, a living vibrant spring. They dug beneath the earth and they found a living spring. And it was a fight. The shepherds who lived there and who were in that area in Gerar quarreled with the shepherds of Yitzchak and they said, it's our water. You dug, but it's our water. We own it. It's, it's my territory. It's like you'll dig a well in my backyard. It's my water. So they called the well Asek because basically Asek means there was, a, there was opposition to it. And then the same thing happened again. The shepherds of Yitzchak dug another well, and again there was a fight. They called it Sitna. And they had to move away, and they dug another well. There was no fight. They called it Rechavis. Sitna means hatred. Again, it created animosity. The third well was Rechavis. It's finally we have some Harchavis, some expansiveness. That's what the Pasuk says. Well, Tanya begins and he quotes another Pasuk much later in Chumash. Parshas Chukas. Hundreds of years later, the Jews left Mitzrayim. They're in the wilderness. They're on the way to Eretz Yisrael. And they come to a particular, the famous Shira at the end of Parshas Chukas, Az Yashir, Yisrael Ali Be'er Enolah. And they say, Be'er Chafaru Hasarim. The well that has been excavated, that has been dug through the Sarim, through the ministers. Asar is a minister, through the princesses, the the aristocracy, the royal ones of the Jewish people, which, according to some interpretations, is referring to the wells of the Avais that they dug, Be'er Chafaru HaSarim, the well that was dug by the Sarim, by the spiritual uh, royals, ministers, princesses of the Jewish people, which includes Avraham, and then Yitzchak, who redug the wells of his father and then dug his own wells. The question, he doesn't articulate the question clearly, the question is, what was the significance of all these wells? Avram was digging wells, Yitzchak was digging wells. Now, wells, of course, are very important as a source of water. We can't live without water, without drinking water, to hydrate ourselves, without our livestock, our animals drinking water, and of course, water to be used, whether it's for cooking or for bathing, and for the necessities of life. So the wells were not just, you know, luxury, they were vital, essential to life, to be able to find a source of water. So a well was a precious thing. It's still a precious thing. <laughs> if you need water, a well is everything. But we see a fascinating preoccupation of the Avais with wells. First of all, 
all the, a lot of the marriages happen at the wells. Eliezer finds Rivka at a well. That's where. Why did he go to the well? As he says, the girls will come out to draw water. This was the, you know, this was the place to go to. <laughs> I don't want to say the hangout, but maybe this was the place where you got to go. You wanted a shidduch, you go to the well. That's where Eliezer went. Where did Yaakov go? Yaakov comes to Choron next week. He goes to the well. <laughs> Why do you go to the well? Again, this is where the people are. Everybody comes. That's the attraction. And that's where he meets Rachel. Where does Moshe go? Moshe runs away from Mitzrayim, from Egypt. He runs away to Midian. Where does he go? He goes to the well. He goes to the Be'er. So a lot of good things happen around wells. Now go to the first Shidduch, Adam and Chava. Where did that happen? It also happened around water, as we will see in a few moments. So, indeed, the well is very uh, central place. Avram and Sarah doesn't say they met at a well, but it says Avram dug wells. Yitzchak and Rivka also didn't meet at a well directly, but Rivka was met by Eliezer at a well, and when she meets Yitzchak, it says he was coming from a well. He was coming from, you remember, Be'er Lachai Roi. So the Be'eris and Bereshis are very, very significant. Be'er Mayim Chayim. But it's not just they meet at wells, the Shaduchim are connected to wells, but Yitzchak himself, his preoccupation in the Torah is digging wells. In fact, it's probably not wrong to say that it's the main story about Yitzchak himself. If you ask, is there a story in Torah about Yitzchak himself? There's the story of Yitzchak being taken by his father to the binding, to the Akedah. That's in Vayeda. It's a story about Avram more than about Yitzchak. And then there's a story later of Yitzchak giving the brachas to Yaakov instead of Esau. That's a story more about Yaakov and Esau. What's the story about Yitzchak himself? What is he involved in independently, not vis-a-vis other people? The one story we know about Yitzchak is what? Is that he's digging wells. Lots and lots and lots of wells. And the parishes told us we see one well after another one. Altogether, I believe, it's seven wells that Yitzchak digs. This is the background. What is the, what is the significance of this? What is the meaning of this? As the Balatanya begins, he says, Al Pasuk Vahanor Haravi Hupras is a Gemara Bchiris Dafnun He. The Gemara focuses on the fact when you read go back to all the beginning of creation. You go back to Parshas Bereshis. What does it say in Parshas Bereshis? Hashem creates Adam and Chava and he plants a gan, a garden, Be'edin Mikedim. He plants a garden, a place called Eden on the east. And in that garden, he places Adam. The garden is filled with all types of beautiful and appealing trees that are delicious to the palate. There's a tree of life, there's a tree of knowledge, all in the garden that he planted in a place called Eden. This is what we call Gan Eden, the garden of Eden, the garden that he planted in Eden, and that's where he places Adam and Chav. But then the Torah says, Bereshis Beis Yud, Genesis 2 verse 10. A river flows from Eden to irrigate the garden. An orchard needs water. So a river flows from Eden to irrigate the garden. From the Gan, the river splits into four heads, four outlets. So from Eden into the Gan, there's one river. But from the Gan, there's now the river splits into four. And the Torah goes through the name of the four rivers which split from after Gan Eden. So the river irrigates the garden as one river, but then 
it becomes four. It splits into four directions. The first river is called Pishon. Rashi identifies Pishon as the Nile Delta, which I think is today considered the longest or maybe second to the longest river in the entire world, on our planet. That's Pishon, the first river. The second one is called Gichon. Gichon. The third is called Chidekel. Which is identified as the Tigris River. We're not sure. There's the debate what it is. The third is Chidekel, which is the Tigris. And then, And the fourth river is Pros, which is Euphrates. Of course, the Tigris and the Euphrates are two rivers that are in Iraq, present day Iraq. So you have the Nile. You have Pisha, you have Gichon, you have Chidekel, you have Pras. I remember when I was a child, I was standing once at a Fabrengen of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he was discussing a Rashi, one of his famous Rashis, Rashi Sichis. And it wasn't Parshas Bereshis, it was a much later Parsha, but the Rebbe mentioned, started to talk about the four rivers, and he started to say, the name of the first river is Pisha. And there was a Jew, his name was Reb Michel, and he was sitting there at the bench, pretty close to the Rebbe, facing the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he was, he was going like this, he was into it, and he was like, yeah, you know, like, he was making Azay with his head, like he's maskim, it's good. So the Rebbe stopped, and he said, no, finish the names of the rivers. Go, go, save the other rivers. <laughs> But he wasn't responding. So the Rebbe says, anybody could say, anybody could say the names of the other rivers. And he started to test the crowd. <laughs> there were a lot of elderly Jews over there. If they could say the names of the rivers. And uh, there was confusion. And the Rebbe said that it's important for people to know Chumash and know the names of the four rivers in Belashis. So, I hope you'll remember them. Gichon, I said wrong. Pishon, Gichon, Chidekel and Pras. Okay, this is the Pasuk. Comes the Gemara. Comes the Gemara, and the Gemara says, Pchaydes, let's see, Pchaydes. Hanoider mimei Pras, asr b'chol meim If somebody makes a vow, interesting vow, I'm not going to drink from the waters of the Euphrates River. Why somebody would make that vow, I don't know. He's forbidden to drink all the waters of the world, from all the rivers. And the Gemara explains there, it's a sugya, that ultimately they originate from Pras, from the Euphrates. They're connected and originate from the Euphrates. And therefore, if you make a vow, I'm not going to drink from Pras, you're not going to drink from all the rivers. Ask the Gemara, it doesn't make sense, says the fourth river is the Euphrates River. The fourth one. So if it's the fourth one, so it's one of the three. Why do you say that the first three also come from the Euphrates River? It's the fourth one. So that means the first three don't come. So the Gemara answers, no. The expression of the Pasuk is different. It says, The other ones, it says, the first river is called Pisha. The second river is called Gicha. The third river is called Chidekel. By the fourth one, it says, the fourth Ravi, he is Pras. What's a he is Pras? It says, who Pras the Meikara? The original river 
that came from Aden into the Gan was also Nahar Pras. That becomes Pras. In other words, the fourth river is an extension of the original river. Because the fourth river is an extension of the original river, so therefore Pras is only a continuation of the original river, and therefore Pras is the source also of the other three. So if you make a vow not to drink from Pras, you're ushered all the members Shabbat. Says the Balatanidini, Pras, who the maker? Pras, the Euphrates, that's the original one. From the original one, the river is split into four outlets. Remember, three rivers came from Pras. In other words, the Gemara is understanding that the original river that comes out of Eden to irrigate the garden, that is the river that will later be called the Euphrates River. From there... The river splits into three directions. You have the Gichon, you have the Pishon, the Pishon, the Gichon, and the Chidekel. Vanar Haravi and the fourth one. Hu Pras. That is the original one, Pras, which now continues through the Euphrates, that we, what we call the Euphrates in Iraq. But that was the original river. So therefore, if you make a vow not to drink from the waters of Pras, you're forbidden all the other rivers. The Amru, the Gemara explains over there, Kol Hanaharis Lamatame Pras. All the rivers ultimately, are rooted in Praz. They come from the Euphrates. And all the springs in the world, all the Mayones, all the wellsprings of the world, of the planet, they flow from the ladder of Praz. Which means, below the earth, Below the earth, the Gemara uses the expression of a ladder, sulma de pras, below the earth, noikev vahailech, the water flows from below the earth, from pras, and therefore, with a little digging, you're going to find a be'er mayim chayim, but it originates in pras. Here's the question, pras. But if this is true, that it flows from the river of the Euphrates, why is it called a well of living water? It's, it's river. It's basically rivers. It's, it's the same water as the river. So why does it have a separate identity? And there's a difference in halacha. This is called a river, a nahar. This is called be'er mayim chayim, a wellspring, a living wellspring. If the Gemara is saying that it all originates in the river of Pras. So, this obviously has two dimensions. We can discuss this from the physical dimension, talk about geology and geography, and perhaps we'll get to that. But, like always, it begins with the spiritual dimension. And from the spiritual, it evolves into the physical. So he says, the explanation is, the Hinex, if the Pasuk says, so we'll still get back to this, we'll still get back to Pras and the rivers and the wells, but now he begins to explore the whole idea from a spiritual, metaphysical perspective. The Pasuk says, What is the meaning of that original river that flows from Eden to irrigate the garden? Gan is Gan Sidre Deiraisa. Gan is 53. Gan is Gimel Nun. Nun is 50, Gimel is 3. So a garden is the number of 53. This represents the 53 portions of Torah, the 53 sedras. We have 53, nun gimel sdodim deiraisa, a seder, a sedra, means an order, it's a section of Torah, and we read it every Shabbos in order. So from Bereshis, 
all the way to Vezoy Sabrachi, you have 53 sections. That's called Gan. So the river that flows from Eden to irrigate the garden is the river that irrigates the 53 parshas. What does this mean? The prerequisite, the prerequisite of Yiddishkeit, the Mishnah says in the beginning of Mesech the Brachas, the ben Karchas says, why do we say Shema before Vahayim Shamaya and then Vahayim Shamaya before Vayoymer? Because the Shema is not in order. Parsha Shema is Vaschanon, Shema Vahafta. Vahayim Shamaya is Parsha's Ekev. Vayoymer is Parsha's Shlach. So it's, uh, it's, it's mixed up. So he says, Rabbi ben Karchas says, why were they Mesaka and Shema not according to the order of Chumash? So Rabbi Shubh ben Karchayin says, Kadeshi a Kabbalah of Oil Malchus Shemayim Tchilav, Akach a Kabbalah of Oil Mitzvahs. The person should first accept upon himself Oil Malchus Shemayim. Oil Malchus Shemayim literally means better accept himself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, and then the yoke of mitzvahs. So that's why Shema is the first, because it's Kabbalah's Oil Malchus Shemayim. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, Baruch Shem, Vahavtis Hashem Alekecha B'chalavavcha, etc. So the Balatanya says, Dahainu, what does it mean to accept Oil Malchus Shamayim Bishlemus in a wholesome way? Dahainu Lahamin Bemuna Shlema Baachtus Hashem. It means to believe with complete faith in Achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem, the unity of Hashem. What do we mean? Shahu Hamahavakalaus. That he is the one who brings all of the worlds into existence into existence. And everything in his presence doesn't have a separate existence. In other words, in Kame, it's an expression of Zoyar. Vekula, everything. It's actually an expression from Daniel, but in Zoyar it's quoted. Vekula and everything, Kame, in front of him, Kame means in his presence, it doesn't have a separate, independent significance. Vekulichad, because it's all one. Kabbalah's El Malchus Shemayim, the Balatanya is telling us, doesn't only mean you accept upon yourself that there's a king, there's a boss, there's a creator. That's, that's the literal interpretation, and I guess the basic interpretation. But a wholesome Kabbalah's El Malchus Shemayim means that you recognize the oneness of existence, the harmony of existence, the fact that everything is interconnected because there is oneness. It's not that there is one God and not one million gods. It's that there is oneness within God. In other words, Hashem is not just a reality, Hashem is reality. Not a reality, but reality. Very big difference. A reality means Hashem is a reality. (laughs) I'm also a reality. My cup of coffee is also a reality. Saying there's something much deeper. Not Hashem is a reality. Hashem is reality. Reality is one. I'm part of reality. You're part of reality. We're part of reality. All parts of my life, all the moving pieces and not moving pieces, are all part of reality. Hashem is not a reality. He is reality. And everything is an aspect of reality, an aspect of Hashem. V'kulachat. Nothing in His presence has independent significance. It's all an extension, an embodiment of Hashem's light. So you're always connected. So living, Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim means living with oneness, tuning into the harmony of existence, understanding that you're an aspect of infinity. You are a manifestation of the divine in this world. V'kulachad, everything is one. 
When a person meditates on this during Kriyashma, which is the time of Kabbalah's El Malchus Shamayim, this is what Kriyashma is about, tuning in consciously with your mind, with your brain, with your existence, with your body and your soul into this. And a person will truly internalize this reality of unity. And he says, Sometimes it's in the brain, it's cerebral. We're not talking about it should be in the brain. means it becomes a palpable reality. It's something that I internalize in my heart, which means it's not just I think about it as a concept, but rather I try to breathe in the concept. It should become part of part of my life, part of my existence, part of my emotions. So then, So then the person will accept upon himself in truth the yoke of his malchus. What does it mean, Without this understanding, it's very hard that the Kabbalah's al-malchus should be be'emes. Because there's ultimately separation. So at best, I am an evid, I'm a servant, I'm an employee. Hashem creates me and He says, listen, you have a job to do, I'm the boss, you have to serve me. But ultimately, there's a sense of separateness. The Gemara has a famous expression in Gitin Dafyud, Avde Be'efkei Nichele, and Eved wants to be on his own. What's El Malchus Shamayim Be'emes, or as he says before, Bishleimus, truth and wholesomeness is, it's the sense of Achtos. It's the sense of unity. It's a sense that there's no separation. Kulichat. And he says, Kiyakiv Chevel Nachalosoi, Chafetz Cheftsam Ladovka Boy Becholavavam. Yaakov is defined in Parshas Hazinu. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Kichelik Hashem Amoy Yaakov Chevel Nachalosai. His nation is Chelik Hashem Kivayachal, a part of Hashem. Yaakov is the rope. Chevel is the rope of his inheritance. So the Alter Rebbe says, Chachevtsam Ladovka Boy Becholavavam. Their desire innately is to cleave, to have dvekas, to have intimacy with him, with their whole heart, to be one with the true reality. They believe in echad. The soul naturally, innately, isn't, isn't tuned with achdos. The neshama feels the achdos. This is who it is. It believes it. it, 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 it it's, it's, it's DNA. The DNA of a soul feels, experiences itself as echad. That's what their desire is. However, the challenge is, one goes out to a world, and the echad is often eclipsed, and I don't only mean outside in the big world, also in our world. The brain compartmentalizes everything. We feel separate, we feel fragmented, we feel split. We don't feel the cohesiveness, the unity. I don't always feel that I'm an embodiment of infinity, I'm completely one with Hashem. There's so much anxiety and there's stress and I'm overwhelmed and I'm burdened and I'm split and there's a lot going on. I don't have that sense that I'm completely one and that I'm a conduit for the divine in this world. The kulachad, everything is one. Because the word oilam comes from the word helam, which means concealment. In other words, the reality is eclipsed, and because the reality is eclipsed, so he says, sharp words, Even if I accept it, I want to accept it, there's no place where this echad can, can dwell, can be manifested. The space where achdus Hashem can find a dwelling, a manifestation, he says, 
the sense of echad has no space. Elibatayr only in Torah. Shahinu shemiyat acher kabbalas malchus shemayim. Right after a person accepts malchus shemayim, yilmed beiyun machshafte v'sichle v'dibudei b'Torah shabalpa. A person should immerse himself and learn beiyun. Be'iyun means with depth, engage his mind and his intellect and his words, his speaking in Torah Shabalpah. Because that's the place where Achdus Hashem could live in the most manifested way. So after Kabbalah Salmal Chushamayim, the Gemara says in Brachas that Mishacharab is Hamikdash, Enlil Akadish Baruch Hu Bailam Eladal and Amish Lalachabulvat. Achdus Hashem is oneness. But it's very difficult to be able to live with this because there seems to be fragmentation. So he says, after Kabbalah Salmal Chushamayim, after the davening, after Krishna, the person, Chazal say in Brachas, that afterwards I ought to put my mind, my mind, to learn Teirah Shabal Peh. Teirah Shabal Peh would mean, of course, Mishnah, Gemada, Halacha, the whole Teirah Shabal Peh, whatever it may be of Teirah Shabal Peh, the basics, the basics of what we call the oral tradition, and Be'iyun. In other words, I should, I should delve into it. I should work with it. My mind, my intellect, my thoughts, my words, I say it, the Dibur. What happens? This is the place where the oneness is manifested. And before the person begins learning, he should meditate on Achtus Hashem. So then when he learns Torah, a person could learn Torah without this consciousness, without this awareness. But when you learn Torah after this appreciation of Achdus Hashem, so then the Torah causes that the person in his entire depth of heart and mind should be in the world of unity, in the world of oneness. This is what it means a river comes out of Eden. Pidush. What's Me'eden? Me'eden is Me'ima Kadosh Baruch Nikra Eden. Hashem is called Eden. Eden means the delicacy, the sweet. Eden, Eden. Adinut, you know, the word Adinut. Edelkeit, sweetness. Hashem is called Eden. V'nar Loshnam Shacha. The river represents the flow. That's what the Nar is, a flow. There's a river that flows from Eden to irrigate the garden. What's the garden? You remember Gan? Gan is the 53 sections of Chumash. That encompasses the whole Torah. Because the whole Torah comes from those 53 portions. Nevi'im, Ksuvim, Mishnah, Gemara, Toisefta, Sifri, all the Medrashim, Kabbalah, Halacha, Nigla, all parts of Torah comes from the 53. A river flows from Aden. Aden represents Hashem Himself, the source of all pleasure and delight. A river is the flow that comes from Hashem to irrigate, to bring water, to hydrate the garden. What does this mean? He says it means that Elokus, the divinity, the godliness, flows from Aden. And it gives water, it brings hydration, it hydrates, it irrigates the Gan. That through Kabbalah, Malchus Shamayim, through Shema, the person experiences a flow of Elikus from above, below. And this flow can irrigate the Tainish. The Gemara says the substitute for the Holy of Holies are the four cubits of Halacha. 
Mishacharav, Beis HaMikdash, Eimlei LaKadosh Baruch Hu Ba'elam Al-Dal After the Churban, the four cubits of Halacha, that becomes the place of Kaidash HaKadoshim. Where is the Holy of Holies? In the four cubits in the Dalai Lama Shalalacha in Torah. Eiraisa Heichala Damalka. Torah is the chamber, it's the sanctuary of the King Shabbat, Shayda Achdus Hashem. There you could connect with the unity of Hashem, with the oneness of Hashem. That's the power of Torah. Torah is the chamber of the King. What means this chamber of the King? In Torah you could connect with the consciousness of unity of Achdus Hashem. But there's a condition. But only if you bring the river from Aden to irrigate the garden. You can have a garden without the water. Garden without the water, you have the garden, but you don't have the water irrigating the garden. The water comes from Aden. In other words, there could be a situation, a person learns Torah, but the Torah remains, at least in his consciousness, not the Torah itself, but in the person's consciousness, the Torah could be a little detached. Torah could not be relevant. The Torah is not fully alive. B'Sha'as, a person davens and connects to Achdus Hashem, to the Eden. Then, through davening, through Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim, we explain what that means. There's a river that comes from Eden into the person. In other words, there's a feeling, an experience of Achdus. And then that experience, that flow, gives irrigation, it gives vitality to the Gan, that the Torah now in a revealed way becomes the place where the person can hold on to this achdos. That's what he says. You have to have the nor, and then there's the shear of learning right away after tefillah. This now creates a situation where the Torah becomes the most powerful tool of achdos Hashem. In other words, there's two ways of learning Torah. When a person learns, he connects to Hashem. However, there's two, there's, two, there's two states in that. One is I could learn, I could just connect to the information. Sometimes it's very intellectual, it's rigorous, it's geschmack on that level. But the truth is, every piece of Torah is not just information. It's also godliness, it's divinity, it's ein soif. Even the intellectual halachielech, the questions, the answers, the explanations, the halachas, are all essentially manifestations of divine oneness. But I have to be able to see it and live it and perceive it. So that's why you need the river to connect the Eden, which is Ein Soif, which is Hashem, to the Gan, to the garden, which are the 53 parshas. That's what davening does. Davening, Krishna, Kabbalah, Samal, Choshamayim, is the river that brings the Eden into the Gan. The river comes from Eden and it irrigates the Gan. It gives the Torah the revealed for the person. The Torah, the Torah is the place, that's where Hashem dwells. Because the person brings a river from the Eden, now the Torah becomes the place where the human being can always connect, right after davening, bring in Achtos Hashem into real life through Torah. Torah is the world where oneness continuously exists, even though the Torah deals with so many different concepts of the world. But in the world of Torah, everything is achdos. And therefore, one can experience over there achdos Hashem. And that's why Chazal tell us, That's step one of this Maimon. So we explained, And then in the next year, we'll see step two, as the Alter Rebbe says, then a person needs to confront all the other aspects of life, which we will continue, Bezir Hashem, on uh, Thursday morning, 7.30. Everybody have a beautiful day. Tomorrow, Tuesday morning, we have a class for women, 9.45.
a.m. Everybody is invited. Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, there'll be a lecture with the community of Boca, right here on the yeshiva.net. The topic is the Torah perspective on Corona. Thursday morning, Bezer Hashem, 7.30, we will continue this Maimer on Parshish Teldus. Everybody have a beautiful day and a day filled with achdus, oneness, and harmony. Thank you for joining us. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.